Welcome back, everyone, to the Xamarin Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest and greatest in mobile development for Xamarin developers, covering the world of Xamarin, .NET, Azure, and more. I'm Matt Sokup. And I'm James Montemagno. How's it going, buddy? James, I am socially isolated today, and I have been for like two weeks now. I'm just normally socially isolated, to be honest with you. So for 33 years, that's basically been my life. So I've been ready, prepped for social social isolation here in Seattle. And, uh, you know, I already work from home. And uh, the cool part about working from home is I've done it for like six years now since I joined Xamarin. But even though I have an office on campus, I mostly still work from home. In fact, a lot of the Xamarin team works remote because we're all over the world. And what's cool about that is that over time, as people have live streamed and done remote calls, like everyone has these elaborate setups at home, right? I'm podcasting at home. You're podcasting at home. I have two like huge lights beaming down on me, my multi monitors. I have a GoPro for my webcam. Like I just have like a ridiculous setup that's just built up over time. Uh, so whenever I get on calls, people are like, whoa, like so great, you know, and, and, and I like working remote. I'm, I'm about it. I do like human interaction, though, so don't get me wrong. I like interacting with humans, but right now I'm interacting with you, Matt, and that's great. I know. It's just remote. And the best part is yeah, nothing has changed for me. I just don't feel guilty about not going over to Redmond. So, yeah, I've been socially isolated for yeah a long time, but two thumbs up. It's totally cool. Yeah. And, and, and not having to go into the office uh, is bad for recording videos because I can't record videos, but on the pro side... Uh, I do save about two hours of commute every day. So it's pretty great. <laughs> there you go. Always the optimist. Ah, oh, yes. Well, you know, actually, before we get to the news, it may just be work, worth mentioning right at the very beginning, since this is coming out pretty soon, that you and I will actually be in the office. Like we are going to weather the storm because Seattle, it may storm, but we're going to weather the so social isolation storm. And we're having .NET Conf focus on Xamarin on March 23rd. It's happening. Yeah, um, just just over two weeks, under two weeks. It's coming up regardless. It's coming up live, free live stream event. It's going to be spectacular. Um, .NET Conf, as uh, some of the individuals uh, who are listening may know, uh, it's a free live conference that they do for .NET every year. It's usually like September timeframe-ish. And uh, they decided to expand .NET Conf uh, to do more of them, these focus events on .NET technology. So they've done Blazor, um, and now we're doing Xamarin. They're going to do other ones um, going forward, too. It's a full-day event um, that starts at 8 a.m. Pacific all the way to, to 5 p.m. Pacific, so all day. And there's going to be like 14 sessions. So uh, Maddie and David and Amanda Silver are going to kick off the day with a keynote. Um, there's going to be stuff on visualizing data, testing apps, productivity, um, reactive extensions in UI. Um, you're doing one on, 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 uh, backend systems. What is it? Picking a backend, uh, developing accessible apps, building and marketing award-winning apps from amazing, all sorts of great stuff, right? From Microsoft employees, but from the community, right? So we have amazing community members, um, like Kodrina is doing the testing one, Steven Thwyson, Rodney Littles, Luce Carter, um, Barty um, Golriz, who made these award-winning Android applications with Xamarin. It's going to be there. And Alexander uh, Costa will be there doing accessibility. Uh, it's going to be awesome. We have like, so many time zones represented on this. But we're going to be there in person, Matt. It's happening. 
Yep, I can't wait. And I'm super excited to see the community sessions because they're because James, let's face it, we kind of work in a box. We we have to do like the internal. We don't do the external stuff so often, like actually create the apps in the real world. I know we kind of do, but not all the time. But the community is doing it all the time. And I'm super excited to see what see what they're going to have to say. So that's where I'm looking forward to. And yeah, we have to brave the social isolation and cross over the bridge and go into Redmond. But I think we'll be okay. I think it's going to work out fine. Yeah, it's happening. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm, I'm excited for my session because you and I will be emceeing it with Olia, who will be there as well. I'm seeing there'll be three of us in there and we'll be emceeing. Everyone's going to be calling in. Uh, you have a session. I have a session. Um, and Amanda's going to come in to, to do start the keynote off. Uh, but everyone can just stay at home, stay in your pajamas and watch Xamarin all day. That's what, that's what you need to do. That's perfect. That sounds like a great, great way to spend a day. It does. Oh, we'll be there. I hope everyone joins in. We'll be streaming on all the things, the YouTubes, the Twitches, the Channel 9s, all the things. But you can go to focus.netconf.net. So we'll put a link in the show notes. It's a very weird, long <laughs> domain name. All right, let's get into the new releases. First and foremost, we've been talking about it for a while, but it finally happened. Android X, the replacement and upgrade for Android support libraries is finally out into the wild. Um, do you, like, everyone asked me like, you know, what are and what is Android X? Do, do you understand the whole context in the background here? I, I mean, what it is, right, is the Android support libraries are going away and all that great confusion with it too, hopefully is gone with it. And we have new libraries and ideally these Android X libraries are only going to be what we need and they're going to be named better, but we have to change namespaces. Is that correct? Yeah. So there's new NuGet libraries, there's new namespaces. Um, and you're correct. I mean, the, the goal is to slim them down. So support libraries grew a lot and they became unruly from Google, um, even on the Android side, right? That's where they came from to, to keep up to date. And, and there was always new dependencies on building, compiling against the latest version. So Android X says, hey, we're just going to slim it down and each package will be versioned independently instead of like mega package updates. So ideally, you're only going to have to update one or two. Now, the team, though, has done a few things here. There's a right-click migrate to Android X for your project. And what that does is it will scan all of your support libraries and it will upgrade them to Android X NuGet libraries, which is nice. Um, you can then compile. And if you compile and something is missing because there's some other dependency from some other language, uh, the it will tell you uh, when you're in there. And that's because there's a low, low hidden NuGet that's the base of all NuGets, which is the Android X migration library. And this uh, puppy is awesome. So it's a compile compiler initiative, I would say, for Android X, because like any big migration, the problem is what if I'm using Matt's awesome super library that hasn't upgraded to Android X, but I want to upgrade to Android X. What are we to do, Matt? Don't say multi targeting. We're not going to multi-target. We're going to let the migration package handle everything for us. What it will do is it will swizzle. I like to say swizzle because that's an iOS term, but it's basically going to swizzle the IL in the, you know, at compile time to automatically upgrade the code in our, my application and in your library to use Android X automatically, which is pretty cool. Oh, that's really cool. 
Yeah. So yeah, it allows that seamless migration. Um, but you know, you should kind of take the steps in the blog post and the documentation to not only migrate the packages, but change your namespaces, remove the old support libraries and slowly over time, hopefully the third party libraries will all upgrade. Uh, Xamarin forms and Xamarin essentials already have, um, if you're targeting Android 10. So give those a look and give it a, give it a go. So sweet. Yeah. It's really good to see that's out there and, uh, yeah, give it a shot. So Xamarin Forms, though, 4.5 is out on the loose, ready to go. And um, just wanted to talk about a couple big features in it. Um, David wrote a blog post about it. And, um, of course, Android X support being one of them. Uh, another one is uh, Shell Modals is out there as well. So before, if you wanted to show a mobile and, if, mobile, and you're using the URI um, navigation scheme, you couldn't do it. Now mm-hmm. you can. That's actually a pretty... I'm not going to say it's a huge deal because you could always fall back to the old navigation scheme, but it makes everything now more seamless to use, which is super duper nice. Um, of course, the Visual State Manager Target, which we talked about in the last show, which um, lets you use the Visual State Manager but not have to be so verbose when you're writing all of your uh, Visual State Manager code out. So let's say you just wanted to change the background color and um, on a um, whenever a property changes, you don't have to actually say it for every single control. And um, a couple platform specifics are in there. And of course, the preview features uh, are still there. So like carousel view and um, so on. Yeah, give it a shot. I'll link to the, the show notes for it. And um, yeah, it's super duper cool. Um, I'm super excited for the shell mobiles, just that really make the code unified or the navigation yeah. code at least. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do on my live stream is I already last week, I started to use the media element, which is a preview feature uh, for audio and video playback, which has gone pretty good. I found a few bugs. I, I reported them, but they're under feature flag. But I was using the old mo- modal stuff. I'm going to use the new stuff. I bet that'll be really nice. So did, I totally didn't even know it was in there, but it's in there. That's cool. And then, of course, four fives out. But what's coming right after four five? Four six. Four six is out. And uh, there's a couple of cool things. I know one thing that you're really excited about, James, the radio button. Radio button, a great comp, great compliment to checkbox. Checkboxes <laughs> and radio buttons. We got them. It's happening. I'm so excited. Yes. Yes. Now your UIs will be complete. All UI functionality is now done. But uh, so radio buttons out there. And um, also another thing for everybody who likes to do C Sharp, building your UIs in C Sharp, which... Um, is a thing, evidently. I'm a big XAML person, but a lot of people love the C-sharp stuff, is uh, C-sharp markup extensions. And so what, what this does, it's an extension on the um, C-sharp method, so you can actually now go through and say label.center and expand. So when you're building everything out, it's right in there, and you don't actually have to. It's going to make it more succinct. Let's, let's put it that way. So check that out. We'll put the link in there for the release notes to it. And um, even though I kind of made the explanation really long for the markup extensions actually using them is really short. Yeah. It's pretty nice. Like the, even in some of the examples for radio button, you'll see a text, uh, a label and it'll be like, you know, dot bold instead of having to set a bunch of things. They're just like really nice. And it's all the builder patterns. So you just sort of, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and call the extension. So it's pretty cool. Pretty nice. Cool. Yes. Um, and on top of that, of course, Xamarin Forms, I guess I have some fun, but so does Xamarin Essentials. 
And Xamarin Essentials in the last month had two big releases, 1.4 and 1.5. Uh, and they're very, very similar, uh, I would say. Um, 1.4 had all the new features in there, like theme detection. So you can uh, test if it's a light or dark theme on your iOS, Android, Windows devices. A brand new cross-platform permissions API, which I'm very excited about. So you can check and request permissions. Uh, there are some other things uh, like new converters for colors and weight converters, um, 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 platform extensions. So you can check and get the activity or UI view controller or window, tons of community contributions and bug fixes and all sorts of good stuff. And 1.5 released at the same time, actually, um, um, because it's the same exact version of 1.4 but using Android X as the base um, and one additional feature, which was the Web Authenticator API, um, which is really cool, which allows you to um, log into social OAuth authentication with a single line of code. So you can say webauthenticator.authenticateasync, you give it the callback URL, you give it the backend, um, you can even do Apple sign-in, which is really, really cool. So we started to build out this API um, based on some customer input and demand and a next generation authenticator. Um, and it's really, really nice. So you can check um, to log in. And there's a great example of how to integrate a um, integrate it with an ASP.NET Core backend. So you have to obviously have the backend to support it and do the callback correctly. But it's maybe like 20 lines of code in your backend to do a mobile authenticator on top of ASP.NET Core. So definitely give that a look. Very, very excited about it. Um, and where it's going. Nice. Yeah, that, that authentication stuff, authentication is so tough to do, but it's so nice. It's Not only is it nice that it's there, but it's something that you have to do a lot of times. So mm-hmm. really excited about that. I haven't played around with it yet, but I'm going to. And maybe that'll be my pick of the pod next <laughs> month. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, your feedback will be nice. It's not a, it's not, you know, it's not a, a replacement for like, Azure AD B2C or something like that. Like if you're doing that, you're going to want to use those libraries um, and the authenticate, right? It doesn't do, um, it doesn't do refresh tokens or anything like that, right? You, you handle that in your back. And the whole goal of this was how do you, how do we create something where you're not putting keys in your app, right? Cause that's bad practice. And the goal was, here's how we can best practice. Here's a backend that's handling all that junk for you. Let the server handle it. Your app is just a thin client that makes a request to authenticate and, and check stuff. So, um, and also the biggest part here is that we needed a really great way of doing the Apple authentication, and this gives you a line of code to do it. So, pretty cool. Nice. And I haven't seen anything doing that, at least that I've explored, that it lets you do Apple authentication. Yeah. So, that's super duper cool. One line of code. One line nice. of code. Nice. And you know what? The, one of the things I love about Xamarin Essentials. It's that it digs down into the platforms for you. So you don't have to worry about how iOS or Android implement anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you do need to worry about that. And then what do you need to do if you need to want to use a third-party library? Got to bind it. You got to bind it. So we had two great bl- uh, blog posts out and um, showing how to bind both Swift and Kotlin libraries. Now, what's interesting about both Swift and Kotlin is that they're, well, they're not Objective-C or Java. So before you would buy into Objective-C, and it's, I'm never going to say anything straightforward, but 
it was more straightforward than binding to Swift. Let's put it that way. And um, so what we do is we go through and kind of go step by step on how you would go and bind a Swift library. And it involves making the <laughs> Jeff header to it and then going through, you need, still need like objective Sharpie and, and uh, bind to a Swift library because as I'm sure most of our listeners know, that's where iOS development is going. You, it, more, more of the modern libraries are done in Swift as opposed to Objective-C. Mm-hmm. And um, then we'll also link to a, for, to a Nuke, a Xamarin a Sharpnado bound to the Nuke iOS library, which does, it's kind of like Glide. And so do like a really cool image loading and such. So that's super duper awesome. And also a little tutorial about how he went through and did the binding to that Swift library. Same thing over on Kotlin. So we'll, I'll link to that as well. So, I mean, it's really cool that how now we're not just limited to binding Java and Objective-C. We can also do Kotlin and Swift and the whole world is our now ours to play with. That's right. Yeah, I, I really enjoy these. And we also did videos. Alexi and I did videos on this. So make sure you go over to the Xamarin Developers YouTube channel and hit subscribe so we can get those. Those will be rolling out in the next few weeks. So it's really fun to, to watch and go through. And the Kotlin one's actually really easy because you just have to make sure you have specific versions of Kotlin and the Kotlin NuGet installed, and then you're good to go. So it's kind of crazy. Beyond that, I wrote a little blog post because I got, I got a, a question on Twitter about repeater control. Uh, when someone says a repeater control, what do you think that means? I think way back in the day of ASP development, <laughs> where okay. it's just like a grid and the grid repeats and repeats and repeats. That's what I think of a repeater control is something that just you bind to it and it does the same thing over and over again. Kind of like a list view. That's what I think yes. of. when Yeah. Got it. And uh, that's what I thought, too. And someone was like, why isn't there a repeater control? Why isn't there a repeater control? And I was like, I don't I don't. I mean, there is a repeater control. It's every control is a repeater control, actually. And in fact, not just every control, but every layout is um, because Xamarin Forms, I don't know, 3.5, like a year and a half ago, introduced this API called bindable layout. And maybe they need to introduce a control that is a repeater control that um, that just repeat stuff. So it's easier to find perhaps, but bindable layout is this awesome feature of a layout. And what it does is it says, Hey, I'm a stack layout or I'm a grid or I'm whatever. Um, give me an item template and, and, and give me an item source to bind to. And I will repeat the control and the item template over and over and over again, based on the layout. Right? Um, so if you're a stack layout, you would obviously stack and repeat them horizontally or vertically. Or if you're a grid, it would just stack on top of each other. Um, but if you were a flex layout, it would automatically handle doing a bunch of crazy flex things. Uh, in general, I use it with stack layout. So I wrote this up and said, when would you want to use it, right? And for the instances where you have a few little items to display, but you don't need them to scroll, right? You, you could put it in a scroll view, but then maybe you want to use a collection view at that point. But I mean, maybe I'm putting... Um, I'm putting a, a few check boxes or I'm putting, um, I don't know, let's say some categories on uh, an event or something like that, where it's just like one or two, maybe it's like three, it could be one to three. Well, you don't want to put that in a collection view. It's a lot of overhead. You just want to repeat the control because you might have random f- numbers of it. 
And that's where this puppy comes in. Uh, it's really easy to do and set up. And I've gotten really good feedback on this so far. So check it out. If you're like, how do I repeat a control? Well, use the bindable layout. It's there. Repeat it. I had no idea that bindable layout existed until a couple months ago. I was doing a code review with David. So mm. I, um, we did the Tailwind Traders demo app. And part of it was there is like you go in and you have categories. So Tailwind Traders is supposed to be like this e-commerce app for like a hardware store. And so the categories were like kitchen appliances and then you had hardware and then you had like DIY tools. Like so three, as you said, and then I had these three options sitting in a collection view. And so David's like, why don't you use a bindable layout? I'm like, what's that? I never heard of it before. <laughs> and it's just, you know, I just, you can't use it if you don't know about it. And so, yeah, perfect. Like you said, it's for great for a small amount of items. And I stuck those into a, a stack layout done and done. It was, it's beautiful. And I had no idea it existed and I've used it many times since. Yeah. It's very nice. It's very, very nice. So we'll move on to a little bit of cloud news, James. Um, this one actually, I'm not going to say it's little, it's kind of, this is like a thunderstorm of cloud news. <laughs> There is a free tier of Azure Cosmos DB. Wow. Our globally yeah. distributed NoSQL database. For that right? free. For free. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Multi-model. You forgot the multi-model part of multi -model. it. Multi-model. Multi-model. Yep. 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 So, so what does this mean? What does this mean, Matt? All right. So first, what I'm going to say about what multi-model means is me, which is actually pretty cool because everybody says it and you're like, oh, what does that mean? I'll forget about it. What, what that means is if you wanted to use, like, say, regular SQL on top of it or no SQL, but you can actually query it with SQL language or like a MongoDB on top of it, you can. So when you're creating it, you can say, all right, I'm going to use Mongo or I'm going to use uh, essentially DocumentDB. It lets you do it. It's the same underlying engine, but you can use a different API on top of it. So that's what the multi-model stuff means. However, what this free tier means is that you can, when you initialize the database, you can say, all right, I'm going to make my thing here free. And you get 400 RUs and five gigabytes of storage for the lifetime of the account. So before I think you got it for like a month or two, now it's free forever. You only get one free account per subscription, but it's great for like, if you have like a really small production app or if you're prototyping something out, perfect for it. And uh, it's great. It's free forever. And it's just something that people have been asking for for the longest time. And now it's there. And so it actually is a pretty big deal because Cosmos is a great way to go for, um, for when you're doing your databases. It is like globally distributed. The data in this instant gets goes from like West US over to Europe, over to uh, Asia. It, it's totally cool. And it's definitely something to check out because it's free. Very cool. Yeah, we have a app that we need to update anyways, because our database got deleted. So this will be great because it'll be free. We don't have to pay for it anymore. I love it. Yep. And when we update that app, we're going to set a resource lock for deleting so nobody can delete it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> yes, because somehow it deleted and we don't know how. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> this is really cool because uh, like any service on any platform ever, you know, having to set up an account, be scared that, hey, is this the right thing for my application or not? Um, you know, you don't want to spend a bunch of money. And this is cool that you can just, you know, get up and running and go to town. So I love it. 
Yeah. And it, yeah, it's great for prototyping. And the thing is, so you use it for prototyping one app, you decide, oh, no, it's not right. You can leave that um, Cosmos account up and running because it's not costing you anything and then prototype your next app in it. So love it. Love it. Up. Love it. Love it. Love it. Go get it. Cosmo it up. Cos- <laughs> Cosmoda. Um, and then the next thing I wanted to point out is this is a cool little, um, cool little, uh, video I saw was, uh, find parking spots with custom vision and IOT. And so this was actually taken at the, um, Caribbean dev conf, which was mm. a while ago, but it finally made it out on the, uh, on dot net show. And it's just, a, it's really fun. It's not that long of a video, but it's just kind of like cool how you put together several different services to do something that everybody needs to do, which is to find parking spots unless you're socially isolated like James and I, but um, it's just one of those things like, Oh, that's, that's super cool. And it's, and it's fun to watch. So that's another, I don't know. I liked it and I'm going to put it out there so everybody can like it. Nice. I like it. Yeah. It's only seven minutes long too. So it's perfect. Yep. Very cool. Yeah. So, which brings us now to everybody's eh, either the second favorite or favorite spot on the show, the Azure service of the month. What is the Azure service of the month, Matt? Virtual machine scale sets. And so when I when I say that, that those four words, James, what comes to mind? Um so virtual machine, I like I like that. That's a machine that's virtual. Um and then uh scale, like that uh, allows you to go up or down and then sets, that's a multiple because you have multiple things. Exactly. way to way to piece it together (laughs) it's in the name yep so it's actually super cool because what you can do is you can take a virtual machine image which you can actually make yourself so you can like it's almost like you kind of sort of think of like a container image if you can get everything set up on there just the way you want it and then from that image you can create this virtual machine scale set so let's say you just create two virtual machines initially then you can set a bunch of rules on it. So let's say, all right, my virtual machine now has like 80% CPU usage. Let me throw five more at it. And it mm. automatically scales up those five more. And then you say you have another rule on there. Say, all right, they went underneath 10, you know, 25% usage. Take them away. Let's go back to two. So that's that's exactly what it is. It's I found it as we actually really neat. I didn't know it existed until a couple of weeks ago. So I wanted to tell everybody about it. and. Um, yeah, Azure Service of the Month. Very nice. I love it. Well, that brings us, of course, to everyone's probably first or second favorite part of the pod. Pick the pod. What you got for us, Matt? All right. I don't have a, a NuGet package, but this is super cool. Another thing I just found out about, and I want everybody to know, this comes from Azure SQL, and it's a function called Change Table. And Change Table is this, it's really neat. So let's say you're doing some, you got an app, your app goes offline, right? And it you have you want to sync it up. While your app's offline, the rows that you want to sync up have been updated seven, eight times. And mm. how do you get the latest version of that? Like, how do you replay everything? Well, that's what change table does. Change table, what you're going to do is say, here, this is the version I had. And it's going to say, all right, this is what you need to do to get it to the latest version. And so that's that's pretty neat. So you don't actually have to go through and say, all right, do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? Change table is going to say, just do this and done and done. So, yeah. Very cool. I love it. That's amazing. 
Yeah, put a link to that in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Um, I took a different approach over here. I decided to go with a awesome third-party control by a good friend, Jean-Marie, um, who also did the Sharpnado post on the Xamarin.Forms Nuke. I wanted that to be it, which I'm totally going to use. But he has this awesome library that he, he was at a Xamarin Expert Day talking about it, but I didn't quite understand it until he um, told me a little bit more in depth about it for the upcoming .NET Conf. Uh, focus on Xamarin event, and it's his task loader view. This is super cool. There's a bunch of great controls out there that do a bunch of loading, like images and states. Like you could use like Lottie, or you could use just like a simple spinner. And tra- traditionally, you would just put like a little spinner, like, hey, this is loading, and you'd have an is busy. This is the James approach, uh, which is is busy. There is busy <laughs> type of thing. And John Marie, I believe, hates this um, because in the very first thing, it's free yourself from is busy equals true. And also it's called task loader view. Let's burn is busy equals true. So I think that maybe he hates is busy equals true, but that's the James approach of doing things because the problem lies that when you're loading data, there is more than just is busy. There's a loading error, success, refresh, notification, all this stuff. So task loader view handles all of this for you automatically. It's completely styleable. It lets you put images or messages or button text for retry, all this stuff. And all you do is wrap your list view, your refresh view, or any of your content that's loading in a task loader view. And it will automatically handle the states for whatever view you want to put up in there. And you can do customization. You can do custom views. You can do all sorts of things. You can do Lottie views in it. It's very, very nice. So he shows you how to use it out of the box, how to like do different images based on your state that you're in. Um, and this is cool, right? Um, it, it's super duper nifty. So this is something that I highly recommend um, g- giving a look at because every application loads data and this is uh, really, really cool. So um, it's really well documented, all the things that you can do, but now you can just just get rid of all that shenanigans of 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 having to do your own custom is loading stuff so i I really love this This is really cool oh that's cool so i can have this task loader view and have one for actually when i'm loading and then another thing i can actually say all right my state is now in an air state and then it shows my air or has like a view in there which would be my air oh nice yeah yeah that's what it does there's like a little notifier that he has and you just notify it when the the state changes so instead of having just a single one, you have a, you know, is busy and error, you know, different states, you know, okay, in there. Yeah. And, and that pairs well with something like maybe state squid, which if you're loading, you could display the state of what's updating on there, things like that. So it's pretty cool. Nice. Pretty cool. Yeah. You can see he has like, he has default views that are displayed with text and whatnot, but then you can have like a task loader, loading view, empty view, error view. Um, that way it's just, everything's in one place, you know, and you could reuse those uh, over and over again. So it's very, very nice. Nice. And I love that all the examples look like they're straight out of the eighties on Atari. Yeah, <laughs> it's really cool. It's really cool. Anyways, that's the pick of the pot for me. Ah, uh, we did it, Matt. We're through episode 71. It's over. Best episode ever or greatest episode ever. Best, best and greatest all at the same time. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, all right. Well, yeah, you can find the pod everywhere at xamarinpodcast.com. You can find us everywhere on the internet. 
It's going to do it. Have fun in your isolation chamber, and I'll see you on the 23rd. All right. Can't wait.